This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock here with the Retirement Detective Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to continue our multi-part series on fixed income and discuss interest rate risk and duration and how it impacts fixed income portfolios. We'll also be discussing a little bit of current events as it relates to the SVB bank failure and how that can be a lesson for fixed income portfolio management. The last few days, as of the recording of this podcast, have been particularly challenging in the fixed income markets because this podcast is being recorded a few days after the failure of SVB Bank in California. There are a number of lessons to be learned from the SVB Bank failure, but one of them is that, in general, investors should try to stay below the FDIC insurance limits and protect your deposits at banks in doing so. From a management standpoint, there are a number of lessons that can be learned as it relates to our discussion today of fixed income and interest rate risk and duration that we can use the SVB Bank as an example. In prior episodes in this series, we've talked about what is fixed income and we looked at some of the the risks that are associated with fixed income We've looked at uh, credit risk in the last episode. In today's episode, we're going to look at interest rate risk. And interest rate risk is important because it impacts fixed income disproportionately compared to perhaps other types of investments like stocks, for instance. Interest rate risk is basically the risk that there's a sudden change in interest rates in the market that have a negative impact on your fixed income portfolio. As we've learned in a prior episode, fixed income prices and market interest rates move inversely. So as rates in the market go up, the value of a fixed income portfolio, assuming everything else stays the same, generally goes down. And this is because everything's market-driven pricing. So if you have a bond that pays 5% and all of a sudden, bonds in the market pay 10%, then your value, your bond that you have is just not as valuable anymore because people are going to want to have closer to a 10% interest income compared to the five that your coupon rate is on your bond. When we look at building bond portfolios for people and for you listening out there, you're building a bond portfolio for yourself, diversity is just as important as it is with stocks You wanna make sure you diversify across different issuers and a number of different metrics, but in many cases, it makes sense to diversify your interest rate risk by spreading out the duration of your portfolio. And duration risk is kind of a cousin of interest rate risk. Duration is an important measure when you're measuring interest rate risk. 
its technical definition is is that it's a measure of the sensitivity of a bond's price to changes in the bond's yield to maturity. And the bond's yield to maturity is driven by changes in market pricing. It's kind of a two-step definition, but the easiest way to think about it is duration gives you a sense when you look at that number, it gives you a sense of how sensitive a particular bond or even a bond fund is to changes in market rates. There are a number of different types of duration that you may see out in the markets. There's Macaulay duration, there's modified duration, there's effective duration, and option adjusted spread duration, and they all have their place. But when we speak generally, I think it's more important to understand the concept than to understand the different definitions of those measures. Again, the most important thing to understand about duration is that it's a measure to help you understand that bond's sensitivity to changes in interest rates, or said another way, interest rate risk. When you look at two bonds, and let's say that they're otherwise pretty similar, but one bond has a higher duration than the other, the higher duration bond is going to be more sensitive to changes in market interest rates than the one with a lower duration. You may be saying, well, how do I find duration? How do I know what that number is? Well, I know for me as a professional, I subscribe to research services and computer systems that uh, provide that number when I'm analyzing a bond or a bond fund. For you, there may be research services that you can subscribe to online that will give you that information. When you're computing duration or something else is computed it for you and you're looking at duration, it's an important number on its own, but it's more important to look at it in relativity compared to other things, other bonds that you're considering or looking at the duration of a bond in relation to your duration of your overall portfolio to give you a sense of how this compares to something else. Duration is helpful because it gives you a sense of how that bond, or if we're talking about a portfolio, that portfolio of bonds prices will change given a certain set of interest rate fluctuations. So in general, if you're a fixed income investor, you're always kind of looking at two sides of a coin. You want interest income and you want it to go up, but for interest income to go up, market rates generally have to go up. And when market rates go up, the value of fixed income goes down. So fixed income is a challenging investment vehicle for a lot of people to wrap their head around because it's always a partly cloudy day. There's always the sunny side of if market rates are going up, you can get excited about the fact that your interest rate on future investments and in bonds may be higher and therefore your interest income will be higher. But unfortunately, the pricing of the bonds you hold now will be down. Conversely, if market rates are going down, the bond pricing of the bonds that you hold today, those prices have likely risen, but unfortunately any bonds you buy tomorrow or in the future will be at a lower yield to maturity and your income may not be quite as much.
the way that you can kind of measure to what degree those movements occur is this duration measure. When you're looking at duration, it's important to ascertain which duration type it is, and we'll talk about those in a minute, but it's also important to look at that duration, not just on an island, but in comparison to other things. Because when you're building a portfolio for yourself, or or maybe you work with a professional that does it for you and you just wanna understand what they're doing, it's important to understand how you can use duration to help mitigate interest rate risk in your portfolio, or at least to build a portfolio that is at a level of interest rate sensitivity that you're comfortable with and is in concordance with your your risk tolerance because risk tolerance often ends up being examined as it relates to volatility, which for a lot of people is easier to understand in the stock market. Stocks go up, they go down, companies make earnings, they don't make earnings, that makes stocks go up and down. There's good news in the market, there's bad news in the market, that makes stocks go up and down. But fixed income has all those same forces too, but they're also acutely tied to interest rates and they're acutely tied to where is that bond in its process towards maturity. So as bonds move towards maturity, that also impacts their duration. There's really several different forces here that impact this duration number. Let's start with the time to maturity. In general, the shorter a bond is to maturity, the lower its duration is. If you're looking at two bonds, and they're otherwise pretty much the same, but bond A has three years to maturity and bond B has seven years to maturity, there's a good chance that bond B's duration is going to be higher. It's going to be more sensitive to interest rate movements than bond A. So if we take those two bonds, for instance, and let's say bonds in the marketplace go up or interest rates in the marketplace go up by a full percent, bond B's market value in your portfolio will drop by more than bond A's will if everything else about them is pretty much the same. And vice versa, so if rates in the market go down, bond B's value will go up by more. It's important to understand those things because it's important to know how much your bond portfolio can fluctuate and how much you're comfortable with. And this ties into what's happened with SVB Bank. There are lots of factors that went into what happened with SVB Bank, and I am certainly not an expert on the failure of SVB Bank, but it's become clear that part of the issue there is that the value of their fixed income portfolio had declined in value as a result of interest rates going up. It's the case for anyone that's had a bond portfolio in the 2022 and early 2023 time period, because over this time period, the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates here in the United States, and that has had a, a negative impact on the pricing of bond portfolios. It's had a positive impact on yield, but a negative impact on pricing. As a quick aside, in general, banks get deposits from customers, and that for a bank is a liability. They owe it back to their depositors. Then they take those deposits and typically do two things with them. They take part of those deposits and lend them, and they take part of those deposits and invest them. 
the investment side, banks typically try to look for fairly stable investments that they can generate a decent amount of income with, but they're subject to lots of rules and what they can and cannot invest in. And they also have to try to keep their duration and maturity of those fixed income investments at an appropriate level. Without diving into what would be a, a master's level finance course on asset liability management in banks, this particular bank, it appears from an outsider's perspective, it appears that they had let the duration of their fixed income portfolio perhaps get a little bit too long, too sensitive to interest rate changes. And what happened is they, let's say that their bond portfolio is worth a hundred and interest rates in the market have gone up a bunch. And let's say that caused the value of their portfolio to fall by 10%. And banks are inherently levered. And so as more and more depositors wanted their money back, they can't turn the loans into cash. So they have to go to the investments and sell those to generate the money to get depositors their money back. And unfortunately, with the decline in price in the value of those investments, which were mainly fixed income, there wasn't enough value there to meet the deposit requests. So effectively, it was what you know we call a run on the bank, where if too many depositors all want their money back at the same time, the bank can be insolvent. And in this case, it appears that that's what happened, but it was made acutely worse by the fact that the value of the fixed income that they had invested in had declined in value. And so they hit that level of disaster maybe a little faster. Now, to be clear, no bank is immune from a run on the bank. The worst thing that can happen with a run on the bank and what typically causes a run on the bank is people thinking that there's a run on the bank, which sort of ends up being a self-fulfilling prophecy that creates the run on the bank. In the case of SVB, that happened, and unfortunately their fixed income had lost value. If you look at the size of their portfolio, which was billions and billions of dollars, and you take off lots of zeros, the same lesson can be learned for an investor's portfolio. If you chase yield and higher paying income instruments, you are inviting additional risk in pricing loss and pricing sensitivity if interest rates move up. On the other side of the coin, you're also inviting greater gains if interest rates fall. And to know how that will occur is why you need to understand duration. When you're assessing different types of duration, I think probably the easiest one to understand and which would have broad acceptance across different types of bonds is effective duration. Effective duration and modified duration are two of the most common measures. I think effective duration is a little easier to apply and understand. Modified duration basically gives you a sense of how much that bond's price will move given a change in its yield to maturity. 
an effective duration is basically gives you a sense of how much that bond's price would change based on a a a change in market rates for that particular bond. If you understand a bond's effective duration, you can estimate your bond's impact from a price change or from an interest rate change. You can estimate your bond's price impact from a change in interest rates. Same for a portfolio. So you can calculate duration at a bond level or at a portfolio level. You can do this for a really big portfolio. Mutual funds that own thousands of bonds pub- publish the duration for their funds and you can see it and, and, and make decisions based off of that. Duration can be used to manage interest rate risk in your portfolio. Put simply, if you have the appetite to take on more interest rate risk and accept higher risk in exchange for higher yields and higher volatility, then you're looking for a higher duration than a portfolio or a person that is not willing to accept that risk. So when you're building a portfolio, uh, most people end up with a mix or you know a, a basket of investments, whether it's a basket of individual bonds or individual funds. But keep in mind what the duration of each of those fixed income instruments is so that you can build a portfolio that matches your risk tolerance. So if you have a low appetite for volatility in your fixed income portfolio, you're pretty intolerant of risk, then it's important to keep your duration low and therefore your interest rate risk sensitivity low. Vice versa, if you have a high appetite for risk and you just want high income and you're you're willing to take a lot of risk to get it, then you can handle potentially a higher duration portfolio. I think it's it, you you need to understand the duration of your portfolio if you're building your own fixed income portfolio whether it's through funds or through individual bonds. If you're comparing to funds for instance and let's say they're both of similar credit quality and one in a rising rate environment has lost a lot more value than the other, you may say, "Wow, I I really want to make sure that I invest in this one that hasn't lost as much. But really, it may have less to do with poor management and more to do with maybe that fund has a much shorter duration. Or if you're looking at two bond funds in a falling rate environment and you say, well, I'm definitely going to invest in this fund that has higher performance, higher returns, I would caution that because what you may be doing is investing in a longer duration fund and it's more sensitive and in the opposite rate environment you may find that fund losing more value than another fund which could be hurtful to you also you have the risk of unexpected changes in interest rates like we've had the last few days and if you're not prepared for that level of volatility in your fixed income portfolio it can be quite a shock. So when you're building your own portfolio or you're working with potentially a professional that builds one for you, I think it's really important to ask questions and to understand what the duration of your portfolio is. If you're working with a professional, I would ask them, hey, what is the effective duration of my portfolio? How sensitive is it to 
interest rates and maybe even look at the different funds in your portfolio or the different bonds in your portfolio and ask for a detail of the duration of those so you can get a sense of how how risky your portfolio is. As I mentioned before, a lot of people like to portray fixed income as being low risk and in some contexts that can be true. Really high duration fixed income can actually be very volatile, especially if it's associated with low credit quality. And in an effort to get higher yield, some investors end up owning things that are perhaps more volatile and more risky than they're really comfortable with. So I just think it's important to understand what you own. And if someone's managing it for you to ask them how they're managing it, what is the duration target? How are they managing around unexpected changes in interest rates? And what does that mean for them from a management perspective and you from an investor perspective? If you're building your own portfolio, I would encourage you to understand what you own, what is the duration of your portfolio, what is the duration of the individual elements of your portfolio, so you can really understand where that interest rate risk is and what your exposure is. And then you can assess and ask yourself, well, I know I want a certain amount of yield, but maybe my portfolio is more volatile than I thought it was once I analyzed its duration. And then you can make a decision as to whether or not you're comfortable assessing or excuse me, comfortable accepting that higher income and therefore higher risk, or maybe you decide to make a change in your portfolio. Overall, it's really important to understand duration and fixed income investing because it's in tune to your interest rate risk, which second to credit risk is, I believe, the most important risk to understand with fixed income. I encourage you to further educate yourself on duration to further understand it. It is a complicated concept, but there's lots written about it on the internet. It is, at the end of the day, math. And as long as you have all of the variables and elements, it's something you can calculate yourself, or perhaps you subscribe to a service that calculates it for you, and all you just need to do is find it. I wish you good luck on calculating duration and doing some math, and we'll continue our multi-part series on fixed income next week, which will be our final episode in this series. Take care, and we'll see you next time. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. Philip Mock is an owner of 1522 Financial LLC. 1522 Financial LLC is a registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in the state of Oklahoma. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of 1522 Financial LLC. 1522 Financial LLC is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. 1522 Financial LLC does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. 1522 Financial LLC shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. 
All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer. Any reference to cases or case files is purely for entertainment purposes only.